And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they help us do all kinds of stuff. We love Fullscale. Definitely check them out. So today, for our guest, I'm I'm very excited. We have a pretty pretty amazing guest, and very selfishly, uh, our guest today is going to be very helpful to me because our our guest is an expert at growing your philanthropic organization. And, and we're going to have a really fantastic conversation. So Rita, Rita First Adams, she is president of Charitable and Philanthropic Management Council uh, based out of, looks like Concord, California. And Rita, we are just so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Lauren. It's excited to be here as well. Um, there's two reasons for my really wanting to meet you as well. And that is, I think the work that you've been doing on Startup Hustle, you have a unique role in, in the broadcast and you're following in the, in the steps of Mr. Rogers. Because oh what my he gosh, wanted... Fred Rogers is one of my heroes. You have no idea. <laughs> because I don't know if you ever heard him say that what he was trying to accomplish was that he was uh, what, uh, for the broadcasting of grace through the land. That that was his whole concept of the show. And I feel that that's what you've been doing with your guests and the way that you present information and help all of us, that, that you bring a grace to all of this work that we're doing. And it's just so appreciated in this time of stress. And then the other thing is with Innovate Her KC, I, you know, for, for me and my background, of course, you, you've got to understand I'm always looking to, to, at your organizations and what are they saying and how are they talking about themselves. And here you are, belonging, growth, and respect, everything we yeah. need right now. Those so, are, so, so for our listeners at home, belonging, growth, and respect are the three foundational values of Innovate Her, for those of you that didn't know that. And I, I love that you... You you found that out. You looked at that. That's amazing. Thank you. I'm 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 flattered. But now let's talk about you and let's talk about how amazing you are, because because we're we're going to spend some time doing that today. So so I want to. I, I just want to hop right into it, and I'm going to ask you kind of the softball question, and I'm just going to say, you know, tell us about yourself. Tell us about Charitable and Philanthropic Management Council. Tell us, you know, how what what's your journey, Rita? Tell us about your journey. <laughs> if I'm going to take that, you know, obviously the early second to, to just say, okay, this is who I am. And, and that is, you know, my passion yes. really is bringing solutions to the marketplace through philanthropy. Perfect. So I, I do it, you know, through leadership development, organizational development, fund development, which is, as you know, is always near and dear to every, the heart of every philanthropic organization. It's the bane of my existence. And we're going to talk more about that later. <laughs> 
it's part of life. Um, so yeah. I really work to transform our nonprofit social impact organizations because right anymore they come in all, all sizes, forms, and, and you know, it's no longer the silo that they must be a 501c3 or some form of NGO. Uh, into better funded, more effective organizations. I build internal and external teams. Teams is big on my list to increase and diversify the funding because we need a team to get it done. I've worked with startups, both for-profit and non-profit, um, organizations moving from organic to planned growth. And I work best with innovative, collaborative organizations that are focused on the common good. So that's really the, the bottom line. Um, I think it's so cool that you are you are so clearly able to express kind of kind of your ideal client. Like this is who I really want to work with. Um, so, so I want to I want to take it back a little bit to like the ten thousand foot view, and I want to say so. So we talked. There were a couple of words that we threw about in there. So there was NGO, which mm -hmm. is a non governmental organization. There's a social impact enterprise. Uh, there's a 501c3. There, there, there was yeah. there was some terminology in there that I want to get really clear around. And so, talk to us the kinds of organizations that you serve and that you work with and that you lead. Um, what what is some of that vernacular that that we can we can refer to? Well, in the United States, you know, 501c3 is usually the, the term that we'll hear because that's the legal status of an organization that is working for the common good and is a, has the ability to receive contributions under internal revenue service rules, laws, and regulations. So right. that's that's why, you, we, why we typically hear that. And, and when it comes to tax exempt organizations, that's the like the mother load, right? That, that's the one right. that most groups want because then you can accept a contribution from a foundation, from an individual, from a, a company, and they may take a charitable contribution deduction. So that's right. that's a, a good part of that. But a lot of this good work is being done through B Corps and through, uh, and as you know, B Corp Benefit Corporation, it depends upon your location. Uh, B Corp is the international uh, uh, certification that uh, you can apply for, not just in the United States, but from other countries. And then Benefit Corporation is actually a legal, legal static status again within yeah. the United States. So at NGOs, it's, uh, any of us who've done work with international organizations will tend to use that term because non-governmental organizations translates uh, outside the United States. Yeah. So, so, and I think it's important to kind of underscore that at least in the, in the States, you know, you can have a 501c3 designation, you can have a 501c6 designation, like there are any... Any number of different kinds of, but the bottom There's line, like 27 we're talking different about charitable philanthropic organizations who are enacted to right. do, to serve the public, to do some form of public good, whether right. that's, you know, um, schools are, is that a 501c6 school, schools and universities? Nope. Um, actually, Which well, one is it? some of them, some of them are still are, are like, like the state university is, is, is state. However, state universities yeah. may receive contributions. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, so, so there are any number of designations, but the, the point right. is the business that we are talking about today is that those organizations that however they're structured, they are doing some form of public good, um, right. serving, serving people, you know, finding a way to, to help people in a very right. intentional way. It's part of their organizational structure, right? That's Correct. why they exist. Correct. So, so that's what we're talking about here. And, and I think what's really interesting 
um, is, is the fact that you, I think when a lot of people think about like nonprofits or philanthropic organizations, there's this idea out there that, that we can't make money and, and that we can't run ourselves like we're a for-profit business because we're different. And I just did air quotes for folks listening. Um, <laughs> and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. You know, when we're talking about growing revenue channels and, you know, building right. pipelines for, for these types of organizations, I think sometimes we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot because there's this perception out there that like, we're not supposed to have a lot of money and we're not supposed to be focused on making money. We're supposed to be focused on the people that we serve. And while that's, that's true, um, it makes it a little difficult to keep the lights on sometimes if you don't approach it the right way. So talk to us a little bit about that. That's correct. Basically what I try to tell my clients is if it's legal, we can do it. Simple. Okay. Okay. That's the bottom line because as you're saying, (laughs) okay, just like, so any kind of a business and, and startup hustle is fantastic resource as far as businesses at all levels of their growth. Well, the same thing comes with charitable and philanthropic organizations, right? Is that we're yeah. at all levels of our growth. And, uh, you know, there's some organizations that will always be, you know, because of what they do, possibly some form of contribution is, is really their major funding source. There's others right. that a lot of government sources. Arts are phenomenal as far as making money, right? How many sure. arts organizations, right? You walk in the door, you're buying a ticket, you're buying programs, you're buying sponsorships, you can buy food. Um, if you go into museums, you can buy gifts for your family. Uh, there's, there's funky rules that go with that as far as how you account for it, which we don't need to necessarily go into today, but uh, yeah. we can if you want. Uh, but if it's, you know, basically if it's legal, they can do it. You might end up paying a tax on some things that you do. But as I try to tell my organizations, if you're making enough money that you have to pay taxes on it, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And as long as you're still making money on it that benefits the organization and the work you do and the people you serve, that could be a really good thing. It shows you're successful. But as you also know, that that sometimes is a couple different ways of of working, right? Right. Uh, So... I mean, I, I've, I have a social service organization that's been primarily funded by government sources. We got them stronger into contributions and then said, okay, how can we use contributions as a catalyst for other kinds of income sources? And before the pandemic, we merged a business, a for-profit business into oh, wow. the 501c3. I'm going to be honest, and, I didn't know you could do that. We got to introduce it to my buddy. Yes, we can do these things. That's what I'm saying. If it's legal, we can do it. And while it, while it has not been quite as robust as it could have been, it stayed in the black and has been providing a source of income for this organization and the people they serve. They would, that they otherwise would not have had. That is awesome. Well, so, so let's, I know where I I figured out where I want to start this conversation. (laughs) I haven't. I, I'm very evilly like rubbing my hands Uh-oh. together right now. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Because we're going to talk about cultivating multiple revenue streams okay. for, for social impact, nonprofit, NGO organizations. Because mm-hmm. like, this is something that I hear a lot about. And you, you've kind of, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. And so, so one of the things that I would say, like, if, so if you're a nonprofit or if you're a charitable mm-hmm. organization, you 
uh, you can typically seek out funding from philanthropic funders, foundations, um, you know, individuals with a lot of cash to burn who want to help. Um, you know, hey, you know, I, I, I love our donors. They're amazing. Um, but I will say that, like, often, particularly when you're dealing with, with foundations and when you're dealing with program officers, what they're looking for, it's really difficult. And you kind of have to walk this line. Because you need the money, you want the money, you ask for the money, but they don't want you to want and need the money too much, right? right. You know, if right. they if you look at your P&L sheet and they look at your financials, right. it looks like you might not be around in a year. Why are they going to send, why are they going to give you 20000 50000 $100,000, you know? Right. And so one of the things that they talk a lot about is cultivating mm. multiple revenue streams right. and making sure that you're not too dependent on any one. Because Correct. if you get if you become too dependent on any one, then if something happens to jeopardize that particular right. form of funding, you're sunk. You know, you're just you're gone. You're done. So, so right. talk to us about that, because I'm sure that that's something that you hear about a lot <laughs> in your line of right. business. Right. And it even comes down to, you know, can you can you be too dependent upon one um, contributor? Because, as right. you know, oh, sometimes, you, right, sometimes you look yeah. at an organization and, and they have, a, a, you know, a few leading contributors or a foundation that is really helping get started. And at what point, do you, you know, it, it, it's even with with businesses uh, that you've had a benefactor maybe at the beginning. But but at what point do you really have to start standing on your own feet? Um, because that benefactor may not always be there in terms of uh, the VC or whatever whatever form of funding has come. Uh, I guess a few clarifications in, in terms of one, it, you know, in the United States especially, um, but even you know, as you look at international funding uh, for organizations, people rock. Okay, when you yeah, really <laughs> okay, it's all about people, uh, individuals, families really are the majority of the contributions, especially in the United States, uh, but really across the world. And even when you think about all the other things that we do and happen, guess what? It's people that make it happen. So, um, and you mentioned program officers, but you know, when you look at foundations, you know, again, you know, they, they often are, are organizations, they have structures, they have roles, they, and, and you know this because you've been obviously applying for some, some foundation money. Now then, not just my favorite like, task, just, just so you know. <laughs> I can understand. Just like in, in um, the startup world, right, uh, in, in terms of businesses, that oftentimes it takes an individual to see, wow, what Lauren's doing there is really cool. This is this is something that I want to participate in, right? Right. And then you start having that connection, and then that person, you know, may have the opp opportunity to write that check. Um, I worked with an MIT engineer who um, had built his company, one of the early dot comers, sold his companies, doing, you know, was one of the early ones. So he's not, you know, uh, it, it wasn't the the big biggest payoff, but it was a good payoff, and he's very comfortable. And he's okay. trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And he gets diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, shy of 40. Oh, no. So he starts, like any good engineer, to look to see what, what you know, how, now what? And, and what's the research? And, and what are my choices? And he realizes the way medical research is done in the United States is really not very linear at all. And he gets concerned. Sure. So he decides to start his own organization. 
So what's my job with, 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 with him? And that was to really set up a fund development program that would live after the two of us in his mind for many reasons. And then two was to teach him how to ask for a gift of a million dollars. And the yeah. That's and so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Not in his mind, because he had, he'd been taught, you know, he'd built a I mean, company. It's a, it's a drop in the bucket when it comes to medical research, but still, no, I'm it, like, I can't, I can't imagine asking for a million dollars. <laughs> he built a tech company and had multiple employees and he was used to dealing with VCs and getting up in front of them. He said, Rita, you know, I know what to do with AR. And I said, I've got, I know people who can write that check. I don't right. know how to ask them for that versus an investment in my company. So within- I gotta, I gotta tell you, Rita, I don't know how to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ter I'm terrible at asking for money. I like, I can talk about Innovate Her all day long and I can get people mm -hmm. really excited about it and like, go women, you know? And then it comes time to be like, would you give me some money please? And, and I just fall apart. I don't know how to do it. It's hard. Mm -hmm asking people for money. <laughs> it is hard asking for people, people for money. And um, it's one of the things that even when people talk to me about either starting an organization, I always tell, look at, unless you're willing to talk to everyone you know about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And even at some point asking them for money, including your own mother, don't start it. That's yeah, you just, you have to get, you have to get really, really comfortable with that aspect of it. That was actually, it, so on Startup Hustle TV, they asked us at one point, like, what was your greatest learning mm -hmm. curve or lesson? And that was my answer. Like the fact that being the leader of a, a social impact organization, like Innovator, like I did not, there are things that I'm really good at. There, you know, like the, the grassroots organization, the buy-in, the enthusiasm, you know, growth, like I'm good at those things. Mm -hmm. But I did not realize that like, 80% of my job was going to be fundraising, constant fundraising, always fundraising. How can we make money? How can we get people to give us money? You know, yeah. it was just, it, it's, it's interesting. Yes. And it's hard. Um, it's hard it work. is, it is hard. And it is one of the things that often burn out the, the leadership uh, as far as be, because of that concern uh, uh, about money. But I'm going to backtrack on just a couple seconds because um, I, I use the words charitable and philanthropic. And uh, for so many groups, you know, people think, well, they're the same. They're really not. Uh, the um, uh, Robert Bremner was a professor of history at the Ohio State University, and he became known as the historian of American philanthropy. Uh, and his take on it, and he also uh, did a history of uh, an impact of uh, social service programs or social uh, programs in the United States, and uh, you know, impact of poverty and all kinds of other things. And that's what, that's how he ended up really learning more and more about our philanthropic organizations. And his thought was that charity relieves need and philanthropy rewards promise. And the whole idea is that the easiest one to think about is a food bank, you know, or, or a, a soup kitchen. So yeah. you've got the soup kitchen, people are hungry. We're an empathetic nation. We want to feed people. We don't want them to go bed, bed hungry, especially not children, right? We're going to feed them. But then philanthropy is like, wait a second, why do we have a, a soup kitchen? Why do we have people lined up for three city blocks to get food? What is going on here? So philanthropy says, let's get to the root of this and let's put that soup kitchen out of business. So it's kind of like the the parable, like if you if you teach a man or if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for the rest of his life. Like that kind of 
that kind of right and, and and for all of our work there's there can be both sides of it um i've I referred a couple times to groups you know uh, that deals with children and adults with with autism you know they have you know and, and through the pandemic they've kept 55 group homes filled with with adults with autism running yeah. so um and they have to because they you know they, they they can't just walk out the door and leave them to their own devices however part of what they talk about is lifelong learning lifelong learning for every one of those adults lifelong learning for every one of their staff members not many of them come from ghana and liberia uh, because that's the frontline staff that are often serving so they have multiple um goals in in their work and they're both charity and philanthropy you know in your work with innovate her oftentimes what you're really talking about is change and radical positive change is like kind of our our well Radical right. positive changes women's work is our slogan. And we talk about the fact that like, not only do we have to address the on the ground issues that women leaders are facing, but we also need to address the groundwater level issues, the systemic issues that affect a, a woman's ability to lead with confidence and with all the tools that she needs. And so we, we talk about that a lot. The fact that, you know, sometimes that means policy work. Sometimes right. that means, you know, addressing problems at their yeah. root cause rather than the palliative, we're gonna give you some additional tools to help you in your day to day. You know, how do you do that? Um, Real quick, I just I want to pop in right here and, and let you folks listening at home know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And I do also want to just note that because we're talking about philanthropy, I personally know that Fullscale, uh, they do some amazing community work here in Kansas City and beyond. Um, they're extremely committed to community. So I just wanted to like pop that out there because I don't know if we talk about that enough around the startup hustle halls um but you know we love full scale definitely check them out they they can help you they can help you build your product and they can help you do so in a, a really really inexpensive way in a highly effective way they're they're just an amazing organization so so rita i want to i want to get tactical with okay. you because i feel like we've got some some listeners at home who are gonna they're gonna listen to this episode and they're gonna say all right well all of this is great but, but what do i do <laughs> and, and I ask myself, like sometimes i get out of bed in the morning and i look around and i'm like well but what do i do what what <laughs> what do i need to do today and so i'm gonna ask you and i'm gonna I, i'm gonna ask you to give a little a little of your shine away today and i'm gonna say that it how do you how do you grow a nonprofit? Like, what are some of the things that are our nonprofit leaders or or a social impact organization? You know, what are some of our social impact entrepreneurs like? What should they be doing to grow their business, bring more money in the door? Because because money in the nonprofit world, you're you're never going to get rich working in a nonprofit. But money in the nonprofit world translates to more time more resources, more people, and more ability to create impact, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so how do you, what do you do? How, what, how should we approach this elephant? <laughs> um, as with a lot of things, you know, there's, there's certain basics that we all have to do. You know, over the years, you know, people sometimes look at the zeros, right? Because we think that just because an organization has a larger budget that they're necessarily, you know, working harder or more um, sophisticated or all kinds of other things. But you know what, it, it, if you're raising a million dollars for your budget, you're doing as much work and there's as many things that you have to do as if you're a big university and raising a billion dollars 
to to operate the organ. You know, it's the, the, there's certain things that we all have to do. Now then, um, it's funny. I just had this conversation with a board member uh, who was looking to see what, for the, for their organization, and you know, we start with mission, vision, message. Uh, are we really clear? Is it compelling? When you walk out the door, do people really understand it? Uh, do they feel it? Uh, you know, the, 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 where to start is, are you listening to the people you serve? Are you listening to the community? Uh, because a lot of this is really building teams, building community. And sometimes founders get really excited about a certain area and you've seen it, especially in businesses, but until you can make the sale, i.e. will people join you with their contributions or help you with other forms of revenue streams, that's finally becomes the kicker to find out, you know, how committed really are they to that mission vision uh, and the message that you're producing. And sure. you really have to have teams that live and breathe their values. And that teams can be volunteers, they can be volunteer and staff, it can be uh, and but board members, by the way, are volunteers. So if I don't call them out specifically, that's part of the, that volunteer team. And finally, you work the process, just like you do with any company, as far as when you sit down and say, okay, well, let's idea in this ideal world, what would it take for us to do our work well? Yeah. And then say, okay, then what kinds of rev? You know, how do, would we possibly generate these these kinds of revenue? Um, a lot of organizations, I think, get stuck with looking at events or foundations, and they're good places to start, uh, and it may be good ways to bring people to the table. But finally, you really need to be looking for key individuals who are going to be as excited about that mission and vision as you are, and, you know, and really willing to walk to the ends of the, the earth to help you get it done, because um, they're the ones who are going to help open some doors and get you into new places that you otherwise would never get on your own. So as much as possible, I mean, uh, you know, and it may sound simple as far as, uh, you know, I've just finished like three months of discussions with, with board and staff of, of one or small organization uh, on yeah. their mission and vision and their values. And when they finally got it in print, they're like, okay, you know, that's really who we are and what, we, what we're doing and now they're really at a point that they can start talking to other people to bring them into the fold and say, this is how our community is going to change when you get involved with us. Now, how yeah. do you want to be part of that? So, so we, so that, that's storytelling really. It's storytelling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you communicate? So, so every, every person I know who leads an organization that is devoted to social impact in some way, no matter what it was or what mm -hmm. it is, every single one of us we we have a vision we have like that we have that this is not just a vision statement but like in a perfect so like for me in a perfect world every woman every woman no matter color religion socioeconomic background every woman would have the confidence the tools and the support that she needs in order to to lead initiatives, lead companies, lead boardroom. Like I don't care what you're leading. You could be leading your family. I, I don't care what it is, but you, I want women to feel good and feel supported in doing that. That's my dream. That's my goal. And and that's every decision that I make for Innovator relates back to that goal. Is what well, 
we're doing a beer launch right now. <laughs> uh, and, and that was just because I felt like it. But most of the stuff that we do, I have an end goal and it, it right. fits into that fits into like this larger, this larger narrative around right. women in leadership and how we can help and support them. So, so I love that, like get really strong on your storytelling around your mission, your vision, and make sure that you're communicating that to the the people who need to know and the people who are going to be best positioned to help you further your mission and become become brand ambassadors, really, almost. Right. Like, who can, who can I tap that can help me right. spread the word? <laughs> right. Well, and also be, um, be open to serendipity uh, because yeah. part of this is I think we get too um, wrapped up in looking for you know, and, and, and you know, in, within the nonprofit arena, and I'm, I, you know, Lauren, I'm sure you hear this a lot. It's you know, they're looking like, well, well, like my buddy with the, my team engineer, right? He was, he yeah. knew the person who could who could write a million dollar check. Okay, um, I don't always know leaders like that. Uh, that yeah. every organization I work with, if I sat around the table, would they all know somebody who could write a million dollar check? But we all know people. We all have ways of communicating with our community. And we, like you said, we have to be ambassadors and wait for a little bit of serendipity because I think we think of philanthropists, you know, we, we think of, of Bill Gates, right? Yeah, uh, the, I do well, think of Bill and Melinda Gates, yes. <laughs> okay, where when you walk down the street in Kansas City, guess what? Probably at least 20% of the people you, you knock into are philanthropists. And by that, I mean that they're involved, they're thinking, they, they uh, get up in the morning and they wanna do something for other people. And sometimes it's our own little generosity in our neighborhood, um, yes. neighbors having more problems than we are and we go and help them in some way. But everyone who plans and thinks about their community, whatever that community is, whether it's, their, their, whether it's Kansas City or whether it's Missouri or whether it's the United States, or how all this relates into a more of a global world, um, yeah. you know, that's our community. And anyone who's thinking that way and working that way is a philanthropist, whether they're writing a check for a hundred dollars or a check for a million dollars, they're still a philanthropist because they're looking to see how we are building and, and, and getting uh, involved. But I tell people to tell everyone you know and be an ambassador and, and to build teams of ambassadors because these are the times that um, I have a volunteer come back and say, I was at a family outing and I was starting to talk about the work that we're doing and how we were looking for contributions for this particular program and how it was going to work. And my brother-in-law turns to me and goes, did you know that I happened to sit on the board of, of XYZ Foundation? And her jaw dropped because she didn't know. <laughs> and so he walks her through and becomes their internal ambassador within the foundation to get them their first gift from the from this foundation oh, that, is, that they never even awesome. knew existed. That okay. is so cool. I love but these it. are the things that happen every week. So, be, so be, be open to serendipity, which as tactical advice, like it's a little rough because you know, like, <laughs> serendipity just kind of occurs. Yeah, you're being open to it and receptive to it is great. Uh, but no, I love that. And I, and I do find um, I have found at least that if you leave yourself open to new connections and new conversations, and I mean, I'll take, I'll take coffees with pe like people I don't know, people I've never, Hey, can I pick your brain? Like, absolutely. Cause you never know. You yeah. never know when you can help somebody or somebody can help you. Right. So what's, what's the next step? 
let's talk about let's talk about fundraising because fundraising is a it's a beast, Rita. I, I hate it. Don't make me do it. But <laughs> I have to do it. So, so talk to us about fundraising. Um planet. I mean um, you know, one of the things that we can learn a lot from is, is uh, you know, from Startup Hustle is from all the businesses and sales. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I found over time as I work, with, especially with startups, is that it seems like early, you know, as fast as possible, charities want to hand off fundraising because, like you yeah. said, it's it's a beast, and new business owners want to hand off sales, and you're both wrong because what's Sorry. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Why, why are we wrong? <laughs> I mean, it's part of your lifeblood, right? So how, yeah. how can you possibly, as a founder and somebody who really knows the product and knows where you're heading and knows the services or what you want to achieve, like you just so eloquently said for Innovate Her KC, you know, this is where we want to be and where the world should be when we know that we, we have been successful. So. Yeah. Like you said, a lot of it is storytelling, 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 and trying to get out in front of the right people. But to do that, I'm going to invite you to keep making, setting teams. And that means that when you bring people onto the board, they need to be as excited about this as you are. They need to be ready to walk out the, the door every morning and, and say, okay, everyone I talk to is going to know the work that, that I do on this board. And it's going to, and you know, at some point this year, that means that I'm going to be walking in and, and, and bringing back uh, people who are as excited about, uh, about what our work as I am. And they're going to get involved in different ways. They may lead us to um, a foundation. They may lead us to individuals and families who are as excited as we are and will help us fund this. And they, it may lead us to, you know, my social service group doing a business opportunity that we would never have dreamed of. But yeah. what were we doing with that? We identified what they do best and what they do best for mission also has at different times opportunities for bringing in money, uh, selling services and, and, and being able to, you know, uh, uh, bring in an earned income that they otherwise would not have thought about. So we look for those opportunities. Now then, while you're planning, however, like you said, we have to plan, right? Yeah. Um, we have to plan. And, well, and, and you also have to understand, like, particularly for new organizations, like the plan right. is always going to change. Like right. they're always, you're always going to have to tweak along the way and unexpected things are going to happen. You know, 2020 blew the face off my plan. I got to tell you, it was, it was a tough year as far as a fundraising strategy. Uh, but you know, yep. that, yeah, I, I love yep. the plans. But how do you, how do you, <laughs> right. you love the plans <laughs> as, as you watch them go out the door? Um, one, uh, it gets, I mean, you sit down, it's, it's hard because one of the things is that, that you want to sit down at the beginning of the year, right? And say, these are the, th these are five things that we really want to do. What's it going yeah. to cost? And be realistic about both of those because too many organizations are not realistic about either one. Be brutal. That's number one. Two, yeah. you know, are you as clear about your mission, vision, and, and your message as you really think you are? Have you, just like any business, you know, finally it's taking it out the door and talking to other people and seeing if they hear it, resonate with it as much as you do. And yeah. every time you talk to people, be asking those, you know, be asking questions to, to get their feedback, to hear, you know, how are they interpreting what we're talking about? Is it as important to them as it is to me, uh, as it is to the other people within our organization? Because I sure. think sometimes we get happy ears, just like salespeople. And yeah. that's one... 
We do. I'm going to use that phrase. I just want you to know that. Happy ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was thinking about yeah. Bob Ross with his happy little trees. but <laughs> There you go. Happy ears. <laughs> yeah. Because we just think everybody's going to love what we're doing, right? Um, and get a mindset too. Of, I mean, I had a volunteer, George, that, that was great. He was, uh, you know, he was teaching the youngsters. He was in his eighties. He's teaching the guys in their forties how to, how to raise money. He said, what better thing can we do for an organization, for a community? He said, you know, we're, we're helping the people we, we serve because we're going to have more resources. Um, the, the organization itself should be feeling great because what's better than your own neighbors saying you're doing such fantastic work we want to give to you. And yeah. then he said, and finally, I'm helping that person because I'm giving them an opportunity to participate in their community that they otherwise would not have had. So a lot of it is your own mindset of when you approach other people, you know, you're giving them opportunities to do something really great. And yeah. I think part of it is we keep thinking like we're at, no, you know, we're giving them opportunities. We're hand delivering on a silver platter ways for you to participate in your community. And oh my gosh, I love that as a message. And I don't think I've ever messaged it that way before. Right. Uh, what are you like? Well, and that's interesting because like an innovator, so one of our foundational ethics is low barrier to entry. We we don't want to impose high price tags. We want to make sure that as many women can access the services and support that we provide without having to worry about time, geography, and most of all money. Like mm -hmm. every, we, we want to democratize access to opportunity is kind of the, right. the goal. And what's right. interesting is for the longest time, I would stamp in like, well, I, I wouldn't stamp my feet, but I would like, I would get really like uh, passionate about like, people would be like, well, you should charge for this or you should charge for this or you should. And I would just yeah. be like, no, like we do not build the, the strength of our organization on the back of the people that we serve. Like we, that's not what we're going to do. We need to reach out for corporate sponsors and foundation grants and all of these right. things that remove the onus and the burden and responsibility of keeping the lights on for us from the constituents right. we serve. And like, we had so many conversations around this. And then finally I had like, in relatively quick succession, I had like three or four really active members of Innovate Her KC kind of come knocking on my my metaphorical door. And they were like, hey, you know, Lauren, we actually want to contribute. Like, we want to help you keep the lights on. And, 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 and by not understanding that we want to be a part of this, right. that what what is being, like, we're building this together. And some of that piece, some of that togetherness is financial and we want to help. And so that, like, it knocked me, like, it knocked me on my ass. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, oh. I've been thinking about this all the wrong way. And so, so from that point forward, it was like, okay, like now let's talk about how we can take donations from our members and how, right. or accept, not take, accept yeah. donations from our members. Um, you know, let's talk about ways that our members yeah. can meaningfully support us both, you know, with their time, but also with their resources. And, and that That's was just a total mind, mind flip for me. And that's so, and another that's what you're talking about. good example of listening and yeah. and talking to the you know talking to them and listening yeah. to them because too often you know in the organizations we sit down and we say oh this is the way it's going to be or how you know or how our right. constituent is going to want this have we asked them yeah and you're right a lot of them do want to participate in different ways and you know you may want sliding scale there's all kinds of ways but talk to them yeah. like what do you recommend we do how do we you know and will you help 
talk to your, the fellow constituents, right? Yeah. Others, other women participating in this. Will you do that? Because You're if it's so passionate about this, are you going to help others get passionate about it too? So that they're talking to their peers. Right. And so one of the things that, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm always emphasizing is team sport. You know, we get yeah. bring as many people in, in as possible. Ask for opinions. Too often we sit in our, our, our sure. little rooms and we think that, oh, this constituent is going to do this. This group, the board's going to do this. Well, have we asked them? Right. You know, really find out what they're willing to do and how they're willing to do it. Get real as far as just like with sales, you know, you start at the beginning of the year and you said, okay, I've, we've been getting money from these foundations. What realistically, what's my opportunities this year for doing that yeah. with the current program? Will they be back or not? Um, we always looking for retention. So, so one of the things is take each piece of your, of your um, funding, sit down at the beginning of the year and be extremely brutal as far as what are my chances that yeah. this is coming? No, I'm serious. I was like, no, is it a fifty? Yeah, so, so what? There, there's a saying out there, and I can't remember it. But you always over, you always overinflate your um, expenses, and you underinflate your earnings potential. Like when you're yeah. putting together your budget, and I, I always try to do that. Um, I have definitely right. had moments where I've been a little optimistic, right. but my board usually like beats that out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do it with individuals and families as well. You know, are there any yeah. individuals and families who have been helping us, and would, and would they, you know, will they go to the next level if we're doing this or that? Let's talk yeah. to them. What you know, what what are they going to do? Um, events, you know, which got rocked last year. Um, sure. Be realistic about that. But then also always have those times of board meetings. And other meetings, like like with your constituents, say, okay, this is our funding. This is what we're doing. Anyone yeah. have any crazy crazy ideas? Um, no, I'm. I, I I, it, I'm prefacing it with crazy. Like we just want yes. to hear the crazy ones, none of the mundane. We don't we don't want that here. I mean, <laughs> you know, to you know, to have merged a business before the pandemic into a, a charity, you can imagine how that first looked, right? Right. And that's what I'm saying is is be open. And be sure. thinking about every which way that you can possibly bring money into your organization and use what you have, use what you know. I mean, with that organization, that merge was perfect because it uses the, their best mission talents in a different way. Sure. But it's still their, it's still what they do best. Yeah. I, I, I love that so much. And, and Rita, I got to tell you, I could... Man, I could, I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours, but we just don't have that kind of time. So I'm going to ask you the uh -oh. human question. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Uh, and actually, this, one, this one's kind of fun for me. And I was thinking about it while we were talking, but because we've been talking so much about, you know, philanthropy and giving, I'm actually going to ask you, what causes are you passionate about? Like when you, when you, if somebody gave you a thousand dollars and was like, donate it wherever, where would you where would you put your uh, your your donation? Um, right now, I've been looking at our disability community for various reasons. A number of it is because because I've, I've worked with organizations that I, I really really respect and and how how they work. Um, and I really think that there are leadership to really like what you're talking about in terms of bringing us together um, in a really meaningful way that you know, if more of us were curious, respectful, and communicated well with each other, um, that would answer a lot of what we're going through right now. And I think our, diver our, our disability community is going to be part of that solution. 
Absolutely. because uh, it makes us look at our abilities in different ways. Wow, I, I cannot think of a more appropriate note to, to close out the show. That was beautiful. Arita, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with us today, share your wisdom. It's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Lauren, a pleasure. And, and uh, I look forward to hearing more about uh, Innovator Her KC. Thank you. Awesome. I, I am so psyched to hear that. And, and dear listeners, uh, please keep in mind that this episode of Startup Hustle was uh, sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Definitely check them out. That is Fullscale.io. Also, keep your eyes out for Startup Hustle TV. I don't know if you heard, but we started a whole TV web series, which you should never, ever do because it's a ridiculous undertaking, <laughs> but it's really, really fun. Uh, so check us out on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you, you search for Startup Hustle, we will pop right up and you'll get to hear some of the, the show hosts and some, some founders of some pretty cool companies talking about what it means to be an entrepreneur and what that actually looks like. We'd love to catch you there. But... In the meantime, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us here at Startup Hustle, and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.